QuackCast 121. Who you gonna believe? Me or your own eyes? Mrs. Teasdale, your excellency, I thought you left. Ciccolini, oh no, I no leave. Mrs. Teasdale, but I saw you with my own eyes. Ciccolini, well, who you gonna believe? Me or your own eyes? Duck suit, funniest movie ever. If I could choose a superpower, I don't think it would be either flight or invisibility. But I would like to have the power, like a triad, to separate into multiple people so I could accomplish more. I find that my multiple personality disorder is not all that efficient at getting things done. The goth cowgirl? Pfft, lazy. So sometimes I have to cut corners. I gave a live presentation at TAM, did a panel discussion and workshops. And to do that, I cannibalized my lecture into a science-based medicine post. Now I'm going to cannibalize that into a podcast. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we call that recycling. The topic of this presentation is the cognitive errors that lead people to believe in nonsense and is a brief tour of the flawed ways in which we think and how our brain allows everyone to be under the false impression that fiction is real. In the old days, I simplistically thought that people were just stupid, uninformed, or both. With 45% of Americans believing in faith healing, 37% in astrology, 30% in UFOs, and 25% in reincarnation, if true, I'm certain the fates will bring me back as a rabbit in a syphilis lab. It was just that people were ignorant dumbasses, right? Just give people the facts and they will realize that they are wrong and alter their opinion accordingly. Right again? Nope. I have met the ignorant dumbass and he was me. Pogo. Sort of. Most folks are neither stupid nor dumbasses. It's just that critical thinking is not the default mode of the brain, and most of the time, for most people, including me, critical thinking is a waste of time. For the activities of daily living, there is little need to think critically. We rely on our experience and the experience of others to decide what to do. It is often an invaluable shortcut. I want to eat out. I check Yelp. I want new music. I ask my kids, except for hip-hop. Tattoos and hip-hops and those square glasses, those are some of the styles that confirms I am old. I don't understand the aesthetic of any of them. I read many of the reviews on Amazon before ordering a product. And I have never bought a car because it was highly rated on Consumer Reports. I get that card that elicits a frisson of want, and I have enjoyed every car I have ever owned. Quote, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. So you have to be very careful about that. After you've not fooled yourself, it's easy not to fool other scientists. You just have to be honest in a conventional way after that. Richard Feynman. It's a fun qu quote, but for day-to-day -day life, it rarely applies. So when you get to healthcare, 
life and death, sickness and health, and probably for the first time the paradigm by which everybody interprets the world, experience and the advice of others is no longer applicable or reliable for the patient or the doctor. It is no wonder that people trust anecdotes and narratives for scam users and providers. They are using the method that most of us use most of the time to evaluate the world. I like to say the three most dangerous words in medicine are, I lack insurance. No, wait. That's not it. It's in my experience. But experience dominates over critical thinking every day in every way. If I like to participate in the naturalistic fallacy, I would say critical thinking is unnatural, like plastic or cement or Twinkies. I suspect all are made from the same factory, from the same material, and I was pleased no end today to discover that Twinkies are coming back. But they are all a man-made construct, never found in the wild. Feynman was a genius. Most of us are not. Debia was closer to the human condition. Quote, there's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. End of quote. The lists on Wikipedia of cognitive biases, logical fallacies, and memory biases are sobering. There are just so many ways to think poorly that it is sometimes remarkable we get anything done. Everyone has their favorite fallacies. I like the focusing effect, the tendency to place too much importance on one aspect of event, causing error and accurately predicting the utility of a future outcome. Confirmation bias, the tendency to search for or interpret information in a way that confirms one's preconception. The Fox Network could not exist without it. Illusory correlation, inaccurately perceiving a relationship between two events, either because of prejudice or selective processing of information. And the clustering illusion, the tendency to see patterns where none actually exist. These are, arguably, the most important fallacies that allow people to see efficacy in nonsense. Scams would not exist without them. I am terrible at recognizing logical fallacies in real time. I always fail when they do name that logical fallacy on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe podcast. Or is that a confirmation bias? When I note fallacies in others... I discover that people do not take my observation that they are thinking poorly with grace and gratitude. Go figure. People do not like having their intellectual flaws identified. It is like telling them they have no sense of humor or they are a lousy driver. It is one of the reasons rational opinions are ignored. No one likes a Mr. Know-it-all, and we are all aware of what ultimately happened to Bullwinkle J. Moose killed by Sarah Palin. Not only do people not like having their intellectual shortcomings noticed, they probably are unable to recognize the fact that they are not excellent thinkers. So much of life is explained by the Dunning-Kruger effect. Quote, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which unskilled people make poor decisions and reach erroneous conclusions. 
but their incompetence denies them the metacognitive ability to recognize their mistakes. The unskilled therefore suffer from the illusory superiority, rating their ability as above average, much higher than it actually is, while the highly skilled underrate their own abilities, suffering from illusory inferiority. Actual competence may weaken self-confidence, as competent individuals may falsely assume that others have an equivalent understanding. As Dunning and Kruger conclude, quote, The miscalibration of the incompetent stems from an error about the self, whereas the miscalibration of the highly competent stems from an error about others. End of quote. The effect is about paradoxical defects in cognitive ability, both in oneself and as one compares oneself to others. End of quote again. Have you ever seen a second-year surgical resident treat a bacteremic staph aureus infection with clindamycin, orally, and underdosed? I have, many times. They have a culture and a susceptibility. What more is needed to treat an infection? They have no clue that they do not know a burrow from a burrow when it comes to treating infections. Sometimes it's kind of scary. Combine Dunning-Kruger with the Peter Principle, and history is explained much better than Das Kapital or the Foundation Trilogy. And then there is memory. It is remarkable how flawed our memories are. In my ignorant youth, I thought memory of my life was like a Super 8 film, or perhaps for you youngsters, a YouTube video, a perfect recording of events. One of my intellectual epiphanies was the book The Seven Sins of Memory by Daniel Schachter, S-C-H-A-C-T-E-R. I had no idea just how unreliable my memory is and how much of my past is a constructive narrative. The book does not explain why I can't remember my kids' names, but I still remember the locker combination of 8th grade and virtually all the lyrics from songs in the 60s and 70s. But let's go through some of those sins. Sin 1. Memory fades. After a month, 75% of a memory of an event fades. Except, of course, for lyrics of songs from high school. Those are forever. Most recollections of past events are reconstructions based on current expectations and knowledge. People remember the past not how it was, but how they think it should have been. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Sin 2, misattribution. We remember events that never happened, or attribute events to people and things that were not there, or recall what happened, but it occurs at the wrong time and place. It is one of the many reasons anecdotal evidence isn't. Sin 3, memory is suggestible. One third of subjects recalled being hugged by Bugs Bunny at Disneyland. That's impossible. Bugs is not a Disney character. After a researcher planted the false memory that it had occurred. If you don't accurately remember whether or not a scam worked, and you think it should, and someone tells you that it worked, you will remember that it was effective. Sin 4. Memory is biased. I call it the Gigi effect. 
the whole thank heaven for little girls thing is a little creepy now, but we have all had, shall I call it, a discussion with our significant other after a social event. And we both remember the events under the disagreement in ways that make us look noble and the other suspect. If you think a scam is the next best thing to champagne, then you will remember that intervention fondly. Sin 5, memory has persistence, especially when associated with stressors. Medical training has left me with too numerous to count memories associated with a wee bit of PTSD. I still have not ready for the test dreams. Intense experiences imprint memory and give them disproportionate importance later. I can be far more biased about my failures and complications in medicine than any good outcome I have had. I really remember the things that have gone bad and rarely remember my successes. Health issues are major stressors, so flawed memories are going to have a disproportionate impact on interventions in healthcare. To be complete, six and seven are absent-mindedness and blocking, but are not germane to this podcast. But I know if I did not include them, there would be H-E double hockey sticks to pay. My listeners are a fastidious lot. It all comes together in that archetype, at least in research, of N-rays. I love the story of N-rays because it is in the hardest of the hard sciences, physics. Blondeau was a French physicist who thought he saw changes in the brightness of an electric spark that he thought was due to a new form of radiation, naming it the N-ray. 120 other scientists had over 300 published articles claiming to be able to detect N-rays emanating from most substances. To quote the Wikipedia, quote, most researchers at the time used the perceived light of a dim phosphorescent surface as detectors, although work in the period clearly showed the change in brightness to be a physiologic phenomenon rather than some actual change in the level of illumination. It was suspected at the time that Blondeau was seeing things that were not actually there, since the observations made no sense given the understanding of radiation. Sound familiar? A killjoy physicist, Robert Wood, visited the lab and surreptitiously sabotaged the in-ray machine. Yet Blondeau continued to see the in-rays. The modern equivalent is people who have adverse effects from cell towers even when the cell towers are turned off. Or who have salubrious effects from magnets even when there is no magnetism. The ability to experience what is not there if you think it should be is astounding. The last thing I have learned is that for many people, facts just do not matter. People will hang on to their beliefs no matter what the evidence. It's called derp. Quote, English has no word for the constant repetitive reiteration of strong priors, yet it is a well-known phenomenon in the world of punditry, debate, and public affairs. On Twitter, we call it derp, which is to say a policy commentator is derpy when his or her, usually his, prior assumptions about the world are so unwarrantedly strong that he is unswayable by evidence. Derpers have a faith-based approach to policy. Now, 
when I asked my youngest son about derp, he groaned and said something to the effect that my mentioning the word derp was the definition of cringeworthy and please don't do it and never do it again. Just a warning for those of you with teenagers at home. And it doesn't look like that definition of derp is catching on anyway. I always think of it in terms of South Park episodes. But as an excellent example is my favorite one-star review of QuackCast on iTunes. It went as follows. Harm to the Brian. That's what it said. I think he meant brain. And then it says, didn't need to listen. So he gave me a one-star review and didn't bother to listen. No facts for him. Uh-uh, no way. Derp. Oh, and Brian? So sorry. So when someone mentions errant information in support of a particular scam, your response with some reality-based fact will likely go nowhere. I suspect that the key word to watch for is actually. Start a sentence with the word actually, and you might as well stop there. Actually, you know, homeopathy can't work because it violates physical laws. My son usually goes, actually, whenever he hears me say the word actually. But people do not want to hear what you are about to say, and will probably not even consider it valid even if they hear it. I think if actually was removed from the skeptical lexicon, we would never get a sentence started in a discussion with a woo-believer. Win a few, lose a few. Human nature predisposes us to believe scams. You can't change human nature, but you can become aware of its flaws and compensate. It is, actually, what makes a skeptic, a critical thinker, and a good doctor. Now that we're done with the 121st quack cast, and you're kind of bored, maybe you're feeling a little sleepy and need to perk up, what better way than to go to iTunes and write me glowing reviews to feed my ravenous ego, as well as edgydoc.com where you will find links to my growing multimedia empire, blogs and books and podcasts and apps. Oh my. Now I'm going to save this and do the 122nd QuackCast. Boy, so much fun in such little time. <laughs>